Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show this week. And as always, I hope wherever you are, that you're safe and you're healthy and that you are doing well in these very, very strange and unusual and very turbulent times. Anyways, as always, there is plenty of Formula One to talk about, unfortunately, as it's been the case for many, many weeks now. All the news, of course, is off the track, but still... There is a lot going on behind the scenes, and that, of course, means that we have uh, lots to talk about, and so we should. And it is just nice, like I say each and every week here, that for one hour a week, I get to sit down here and talk about Formula One. And, well, mostly it's not coronavirus (laughs) related, but mostly it is. It is, however, a bit of an escape, and uh, that's why it is still fun to get out here and do the show. It's just something uh, a little bit uh, different, a little bit... uh, you know, a little bit more pleasant than the uh, what tends to be just a lot of bad news and, and gloomy news and alarming news. So it uh, it is a slightly sunnier and brighter picture to look at. But uh, anyways, enough of that. Let's uh, get into it. And well, gloomy news to get right <laughs> get right into the show this week, but it is what it is. Anyways, uh, Ferrari says that uh, they do not want any further reduction in Formula One's budget cap uh, that's uh, going to come in next year, despite a real push in the past couple of weeks to really bring down the costs as, uh, as much as possible. There's a lot more financial stuff in here. And if you want a bit of a background, just uh, circle back a couple of episodes when we had Christian Silt from Formula Money on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Now, everything with uh well i mean so many different industries across the uh, the entire planet have been shut down and people are staying at home everywhere formula one of course is one of those uh industries that is uh in basically in limbo at the moment and it's costing them a lot of money a lot of these uh the, these teams uh because they're not uh, racing and uh, there's no money coming in and so the thing was they've really been going on and uh obviously this uh, uh cost cap was going to come in next year anyways but there's been a real push to to bring it down from uh, the original level of 175 i've heard it uh you know you know different teams really um pushing it down even further than that and and that's fair enough i mean especially like that this year with uh, the 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 reduced season i mean we don't know how many races are going to be run at the uh like by by the time we get going if any races get run at all so you can see why there's been a real push towards it and anyways you want some of that uh, that that background go back uh, two weeks go check out the episode with christian silt and i'm in touch with christian he's going to come back on we just want to try and get a little bit of space here because i mean the situation really is so fluid out there i mean it's changes in all aspects uh, and uh, on so many different areas of life just uh, on, a, on a regular basis so we really need a bit of a space to see what's happening also in, in formula one so christian will come back on periodically i'm sure to, uh, to discuss what's going on in formula one from the the, the business and the financial side and give us uh, some more insight there and always uh, go check out his um, website formulamoney.com 
Anyway, so so like I said, the original level was uh, set at one seven, $175 million before the pandemic started. Um, so now there's uh, been a concession to bring it down to 145, or sorry, $150 million. Um, one idea that was also being discussed was to, to bring it down to $145 million next year and then bring it down to $130 million for 2022. However, Ferrari is uh, really resistant to that, and uh, team principal Mattia Bonato has uh, been really quite adamant that $145 million is the minimum cost cap that Ferrari really could uh, agree to. And he said that uh, if they, things need to go any lower than that, then they'd have to look seriously at uh, redeploying staff in other racing series and, and things that they don't want to, uh, they, they really don't want to do. Anyways, uh, Bonato said in an interview with the British newspaper, The Guardian, earlier this week, quote, the $145 million level is already a new and demanding request compared to what was set out last June. It cannot be attained without further significant sacrifices, especially in terms of our human resources. If it was to get even lower, we would not want to be put in the position of having to look at any further options of deploying our racing DNA. Well, that that certainly is very interesting because uh, Bonato does go on to to uh, uh, elaborate on that a little bit uh, more. He says, "quote If the current emergency really puts the existence of some of our competitors in this sport on in doubt and made it necessary to revise certain cornerstones, then Ferrari would be open to it. It's not even sacrilegious given it happened before an F1 happens today in series such as MotoGP. It is not simple and straightforward to make structural changes simply by cutting costs in a linear fashion. We are well aware that F1 and Indeed, the whole world right now is going through a particularly difficult time because of the COVID-19 pandemic. However, this is not the time to react in a hurry as there's a risk of making decisions on the back of this emergency without clearly evaluating all the consequences, end quote. Yeah, well, you know, that that is a a, a very interesting insight into uh, what uh, Bonato was uh, thinking and Ferrari is thinking. I mean, when you look at the amount of money that the top teams uh, are spending, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, unfortunately, at the moment, um, I mean, it really really is astronomical. I mean, uh, I, I think if I remember correctly that uh, Ferrari and Mercedes are spending somewhere in the middle or sorry, in and around about $300 million a year. So to bring it down to 175 or 150, I mean, that's basically cutting everything in, in half. And if it has to go down even lower, I mean, yeah, you could see why they'd have to be uh, thinking about making uh, changes and maybe having to reassign people to, to different areas and things like that or laying people off if it gets uh, too uh, too small. But I mean, even if you're going from 150 to 145, you know, that's only $5 million only, right? Uh, but maybe to go down from 40, 145 to 130, you know, that's another $15 million. I mean, they're a big sum. So I guess uh, it really depends how you're you're spending that money and where you're spending that money. But, uh, you know, you just had to know at some point. And I, th- I think it's been kind of interesting because over the past couple of years, what with the discussions into the new Concord Agreement, the new technical regulations, it just seemed, I mean, I grew up watching Formula One in the 80s and into the 90s. And it seemed anytime there was ever any discussion about change to the technical regulations to this, to that, to whatever it was that uh, Ferrari, all it seemed like their default position was that they would threaten to pull out of Formula One and, uh, and, and just not race or start up a rival series, whatever it was. So, I mean, over the past couple of years, it really has been a, a bit different that uh, it's, 
they've been a lot quieter. I mean, there there always hasn't been this sort of immediate knee jerk reaction, but it is interesting all of a sudden to to see like these quotes that uh, I mean, to me, it just sort of seems like Ferrari being Ferrari, although in a bit more measured and more diplomatic uh, way, rather than just saying that they're going to pull out. But I mean, but not who I think uh, to mean he see, he seems like a, a much more relaxed, calmer, less controversial kind of person. I mean, to, to me, Bernardo sort of comes across first as a, as an engineer, a real technical kind of guy. And uh, rather than uh, say the, the the business type person, maybe like the, the, the managerial type in the sense of uh, managing the whole team. I mean, he seems more technically focused. So maybe uh, because of that, uh, he, he doesn't maybe say some of these inflammatory things. And when he's uh, referring to like, say, bringing down the cost gap, that it's just more a measured response that uh, you might expect from somebody that sees things maybe in a little bit uh, of a different light uh, than, say, somebody that has a, a real uh, background uh, in business. Anyways, um, Zach Brown, CEO of uh, McLaren, said that um, Ferrari's budget cap uh, claims and arguments really don't stack up. He also called them uh, contradictory. And uh, so he was uh, following up and uh, basically uh, uh, adding into what uh, Bonato said to The Guardian on Thursday of this uh, past week. And uh, Brown had to say, quote, we are in a situation where Formula 1 goes by its old habits. We are all at extreme risk for the future of F1. And I think if we forward and get with the times, we can not only survive what's going on right now, but ultimately I think the sport can thrive and we all win. I'm all for a good healthy debate, but I think that the comments that I'm seeing put forward don't stack up, contradict themselves, and don't accurately reflect what I think is a reality. Unfortunately, there are not many teams, if any, turning a profit. I don't believe that the people involved in Formula One are involved to drive a profit. I think they're here to drive franchise value. Each team has a different reasons why they're in F1. A lot of that is to deliver value to other businesses, whether that's in the drinks business or the road car business, end quote. Anyway, so yeah, that's kind of interesting as uh, well uh, from, from Zach Brown. I mean, he does uh, go on uh, to say uh, a little bit more about uh, just in resp- uh, response uh, to what uh, Bonato was saying in his uh, interview, quote, I'm almost at a loss of what you say to that. I think we all recognize that in the modern times, we're going through the biggest crisis that the world has seen. You have countries shut down, you have industries shut down, and not to be in a hurry to address what's going on, I think is a critical mistake. It's living in denial. I think you would find pretty much every president or prime minister or CEO around the world is operating in a hurry to tackle this issue head on. End quote. So yeah, you know it, that is uh, that that is true. I mean, you you do see people in other walks of life, uh, be it in business, uh, be it in uh, government. I mean, people really are tackling that this head on now. I I don't think uh, necessarily that uh, that Formula One should make a lot of uh, decisions drastically and uh, sort of like the knee jerk uh, reaction. However, I mean, it is obviously the most difficult uh, time that uh, that we've all lived through in our lifetimes and uh, and and humanity just in general in a, in a very very long time outside of a, a time of war and, and and other natural disasters and and things like that so i mean these are very very difficult times and I mean, when you look at it, I mean, sports is an escape, but I mean it is a, a valuable and important part of uh, society. But I mean, it is no different uh, for a Formula One team than any other uh, business or company out there right now. And uh, some of them are going to be able to weather the storm better than others. And some of them uh, might uh, may not actually come back. They might not be able to, to open their doors. And hopefully that there is a way, and we're going to get to that in just a moment, uh, that, uh, that there can be something found, some way to help uh, these uh, different teams keep the, the, the lights on. And, you know, I know that uh, Formula One is supposed to be the 
elite, the best of the best. And uh, Bernie Ecclestone in the past basically had that attitude. Well, I mean, you either have enough money to be here or not. And if you can't be here, then that's not my problem. Boo-hoo, go home. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, he was basically very black and white on the subject. However, I mean, it would be a, a shame to see some teams having to pack up and leave Formula One because of uh, all the, the the financial hardship that's been inflicted because of the current situation around the world. But these are difficult times, and and hopefully that uh, we can find a way that uh, Formula One can uh, survive and the teams can survive and uh, the, the series can come back and, and and just build from where they are right now. I know it's uh, difficult times, and who knows what, what Formula One's going to look like once things actually get going again. Are we going to have races with fans, without fans? What sort of uh, – what, what, what sort of – format is it going to take? I mean, <laughs> are we even going to see a full calendar? Obviously not. Are we going to see a, a race calendar of eight to 10 races? Maybe. Are we going to see races at some other places we haven't seen in a while? That's possible too. We'll all get to that as we go through the show this week. Anyways, very interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, just sort of dealing with that, uh, apparently that there are some uh, rules in the, uh, or the the FI could actually tweak uh, a rule that could actually stop uh, Ferrari from uh, lowering the, 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 the budget cap. And I mean, there is a bit of tension now between Ferrari and their uh, rival teams. Um, but anyway, so there are there is an updated clause in the sporting uh, code regarding the rule change, and it uh, states, quote, in exceptional circumstances, and if the FIA considers that the change in question is essential for the safeguarding of the championship, cup, trophy, challenge, or series concerned, the agreement of the majority of the competitors properly entered shall suffice. Now, so I mean, uh, obviously what we're seeing just now, uh, Ferrari is dead set against going underneath the uh, the $145 million budget cap because they, they do not want to lay off any staff or redeploy them uh, elsewhere. So uh, McLaren, who is uh, very much uh, on, on the other side of that, uh, says, uh, I mean, basically to sum up uh, what uh, Brown was uh, saying, he's uh, basically saying that if they don't make a drastic and quick uh, uh, cuts to bring the budget cap to as low as $100 million, it really does risk uh, a, a number of the, the the teams and uh, potentially they could uh, you know uh, could uh, could disappear so it is interesting that uh, that that perhaps that uh, some rule uh, could actually uh, be forced through and then uh, you know kind of maybe decide the the uh, the, the, the situation if it drags on uh, too long so anyway so the FA they actually have stepped into the bait saying that uh, under circumstances it would now accept a majority approval for for the rule, uh, rule change so I mean Obviously, everybody needs to, to to sit at the table, and they need to make their 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 voice heard. However, I mean, if a Ferrari, if they really stick to their guns, they could actually find find themselves on the outside uh, looking in because um, if they find that they have to take uh, drastic measures and they invoke this rule, then uh, the the, the more, majority of the other teams uh, might uh, might just uh, win over on that. Anyways, uh, sticking on the theme of uh, team spending, team principle at Haas F1, Gunther Steiner says that uh, for. Formula One cannot be, quote, a hole in the ground, end quote, for team spending. Um, so knowing Gunther Steiner from uh, the past couple of years of um, the Formula One uh, Drive to Survive series on Netflix, it was probably a lot more colorful than that. Uh, but anyways, Steiner says, uh, unless the outlook in Formula One uh, starts to get better, he can't uh, really expect uh, <clears throat> 
excuse me, Haas Automation to really uh, continue to bankroll the Formula One team. And this really isn't new news. This has been out there in one form or another over the past uh, couple of months, even pre-COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, there was uh, some speculation that uh, that maybe uh, Haas wasn't going to stick in Formula One. I mean, they've been here, what, five, six seasons now, whatever it is. I mean, they started out, they had uh, some points uh, finishes, but I mean, they've never really been able to really get over that hump and really really assert themselves in the in the midfield. I mean, they have their moments, but they seem to be rather fleeting and far and few uh, between. But anyways, Steiner had to told uh, motorsport.com that this week, quote, I hope at some stage this will uh, be a break-even business because that's what it should be. Not only to invest, because at some stage everybody's tired to invest. Maybe we need to try to make a business out of it, not as uh, an investment business with no return. If I wouldn't uh, be hopeful that we can achieve it, I would say to Gene, don't do it because otherwise I would be lying to him end quote yeah well you know I, I do think it would be a shame if they decided to to, to pack up and uh, and and not uh, stay in Formula One like I say I, I think that Formula One is um, its strength is having a, a, a diverse field of manufacturers uh, from everywhere and I know that uh, Silverstone is uh, basically the, the the Silicon Valley of uh, Formula One I know most of the teams are basically based there or, or very close to, to it but it, it is good to see other teams obviously Ferrari and Alpha Tauri they're based in Italy um, um so I keep going to say them uh, Sauber, but uh, Alfa Romeo based in Switzerland, Haas uh, based in North Carolina in the USA. And I, I really think that uh, that is important to have uh, not only American teams, but American drivers. And uh, ultimately, I think that's when they're going to help uh, push the popularity of uh, Formula One in the United States. I know that there's been talk for some time of trying to get a second race in uh, the, the, the USA, along with the Circuit of Americas, Miami. That's kind of been uh, on again, off again, mostly off again, but maybe coming on next year or the year after. I mean, it changes every time uh, it, it pops into the news for different reasons. New York's been thrown out there. Vegas has been thrown out there. So, I mean, obviously having races where people can go to and and, and see it live in uh, in their own country within reason, that's a big thing. But, I mean, everybody likes to cheer for the home team, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 there's no doubt that, uh, that you're going to get tons of uh, Mercedes and Ferrari fans and Hamilton fans and, 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 and stuff like that in the USA. But, I mean, to have like a, an American team or a driver doing well in Formula One, I think, would uh, really help uh, drive the popularity to, uh, to different levels. Anyways, uh, time for our very first break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. And as we've done so far this evening, uh, we're going to stick with the financial side of uh, Formula One, which I think we did last week and the week before and the week before. I mean, it really is the big thing right now. I mean, still, the the, the French Grand Prix has not been officially canceled as of uh, today. Uh, what is today? Today is April 24th. You know, just a, a bit of a, a, a tangent here. I mean, it really is weird, uh, basically, uh, staying home and, uh, only venturing out a couple times a week. I mean, all the days start to blend into, to one another. And I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone the other night, uh, and I said to him, Hey dude, what, uh, what day is it uh, today? Uh, and he, he just sort of thought for a second. He said, April. I'm like, Sure, I'll go with April. <laughs> Anyways, joking aside. Um, well, uh, there there is a little bit uh, of uh, good news here. The, uh, the the owners, the operators of uh, Formula One Liberty Media, they've uh, come up with a couple of different uh, incentives and, and, and plans this week. And Motorsport uh, Director... Um, Pardon me, Zach Brown. I was going to say Ross Braun. Uh, I can't read. I'm going to put my glasses on. I'm getting my browns with my bronze um, uh, mixed up. Anyways, Zach Brown, uh, CEO of McLaren, says that uh, the the financial consequences of Formula One not racing this year would be absolutely what he calls devastating for the teams. And absolutely, I mean, if uh, you're getting no prize money coming in, sponsorship, whatever it is, TV money, um, he says that uh, he believes that uh, Liberty's plans to run. Uh, Formula One races without uh, spectators could uh, actually work. And of course, uh, the season is currently on hold. And like I was saying uh, just uh, now that uh, the the French Grand Prix is the the first race that is still on the calendar, hasn't been canceled as of yet. Uh, It's about 60 days out from the FP1 on the 25th of uh, June. And considering how quick things change in this COVID-19 world at the moment, that really is an eternity from now. But uh, we've seen around uh, different parts of the world in Europe, uh, we've seen uh, Holland and, and, and Belgium and different countries uh, banning mass gatherings uh, up until the uh, the end of the summer, end of August and things like that. So who knows where the French Grand Prix is going to end up? I mean, um, to, to think that we might see uh, tens of thousands of people uh, packing in the stands at uh, Circuit Paul Ricard at the, the end of June seems uh, completely unrealistic and uh, it's just not going to happen, is it? But uh, anyways, I mean, there have been so many different uh, things that have uh, been uh, discussed and we're going to get to them uh, one by one. But anyways, uh, Brown did have to say, quote, uh, I think the sport has always been a great healer around the world. So I think the appetite for F1, closed doors or not, and sport in general will be welcome. But if we end up having no F1 this year, I think the financial consequences for all the teams in F1 itself will be devastating, just as I think for it would be for any industry if you actually shut down for an entire year. Then we would need an additional rethink or solution because while we've modeled all the financial situations, the consequences of not racing are extremely severe for all of us, Formula One included. End quote. Yeah, well, you know, it is... uh it is huge, right? I mean, uh, the, the F1 uh, commercial rights income is uh, worth about a billion dollars in total per year. I mean, if that goes down to nothing, I mean, that is a huge, huge uh, number. Um, but I mean, there are some different uh, things. He, and, and, and Brown goes on to, to talk about that. And we'll get to it in a moment. And he is in, 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 
positive and I wouldn't say maybe in favor, but he actually does see that having um, multiple events at the same ve- uh, venues, racetracks is sensible and uh, having these races without spectators is uh, probably the right way to go for for the time being. And he had to say, uh, quote, I think that is the, the plan that Chase, Chase Carey, CEO of Formula One, has shared with us, which is very much a work in progress, seems to be a very sensible plan. I think going racing without spectators or certainly in the short term going race uh, racing without spectators is the real risk, realistic way to go racing. If we thought we were going to go to Austria and then the British Grand Prix with 100,000 people, I think that would be naive to think so. The plan does not call for that. Therefore, it feels like a realistic plan. He's speaking with the various governments, so I'm pretty optimistic. End quote. Yeah, and uh, there there are a lot of different plans uh, for for things like that. And I did see an interesting uh, article uh, the other day. Uh, I think it was on. Uh, I think it was a Sports Illustrated um, article. And I wish I'd uh, kept it and I, I would have uh, pulled it up. Uh, but I'll just sort of parse and um, um, uh, paraphrase uh, from it because. There's been a lot of uh, discussion because obviously the NBA got shut uh, shut down, the NHL got shut down, uh, NFL is obviously months away. I mean, uh, preseason doesn't get going until August. Uh, you know, the regular season doesn't start until the beginning of September after Labor Day. So, I mean, NFL is still a ways out. I mean, uh, Major League Baseball. I mean. I'm missing my baseball, to be quite honest, but uh, that that's another one that's gonna, going to be in limbo. But the, anyways, the gist of this article was looking at the mechanics of uh, having these um, uh, different sports played in uh, a number of fixed venues and how that would all work. You know, it, would you have all teams from the same divisions or conferences playing each other and uh, basically sequestering things and just really looking at the the, the logistics of it and, uh, you know, like how, how does it work with all the, um, you know, like hotel staff and catering and security security and just uh, medical people that need to be there in case of injuries uh, in a basketball game or whatever it might be. And it, it really was interesting, but it, it it is kind of a little bit kind of hard to digest because the real... Um, the real angle of that article was just like, yeah, it's a great idea to think that uh, we might be able to see basketball come back in some form behind closed doors. Yeah, it's really great, but it's not going to happen because this is why. And it, it really discussed it from the uh, from from that point that this is what you need to do. It's uh, basically or basically be impossible to uh, n- n- to pull it off. But. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think that uh, the, the truth is obviously going to lie somewhere between these uh, two things. Obviously, having big sporting events or any big events, be it concerts, uh, sporting events, any like, like a marathon, anything like that, is going to be off the table for, for the time being and probably for a, a large number of months, if not the, the, the next year or, heaven forbid, even longer, right? Until this is uh, really brought under control and, uh, and, and, and we really have... Like, there's some sort of cure or vaccine, whatever it is, separate issue. Anyways, obviously the the the, the answer is going to be between those two extremes of having the the, the big events uh, with, with the, the the normal numbers of uh, people uh, there in the stands behind the scenes, and then this uh, behind closed doors that uh, seems it's uh, so impossible that it's not going to be able to to, to be pulled off. And the the one thing that I, I really think will be interesting to watch is to see, well, can some sort of situation be approved and and, and figured out so that uh, that uh, some that sports can actually go ahead, be it Formula One, be anything else, and what that might uh, might actually look to. But uh, it is interesting when you see a team principal like a guy like Zach Brown uh, talking about it and uh, being fairly, I'd say just just the tone of that. Uh, he seemed very uh, supportive and 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 and, uh, and positive about it, and obviously 
obviously waiting to see what uh, Chase Carey and the people at uh, Formula One and Liberty Media can come back with, as I think we all are. I mean, uh, as he was saying himself, that um, that there is an appetite for sports in Formula One, and it is just uh, at the best of times. Even, I mean, sports really is the ultimate uh, reality TV, isn't it? I mean, uh, for all of us that uh, that follow sports, not just uh, Formula One, be it football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, whatever it is, it is, uh, for me, I, th- I think it has to be one of my most uh, pleasant uh, alternate uh, realities that to dive into on, well, I mean, it, it is a daily escape, uh, be it uh, Formula One or any other sports uh, that, that I follow. I mean, it uh, it is a, a major part of my life, uh, the, the amount of time that I spend watching, reading, playing video games about. That's a different thing. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, too. Anyway, so there, there are options out there and uh, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. Anyways, Formula One has gained $1.4 billion in cash after uh, what has uh, been uh, termed a Liberty Media reattribution. And uh, so what they've done is uh, they've uh, reattributed or the, uh, a reattribution of assets between its companies uh, to give Formula One more access to cash as uh, this COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, continues to unfold and have a uh, an impact on the sport and everywhere else. Anyways, uh, it was a really complex uh, series of of uh, deals between F1, uh, FWON, the holding company for Formula One, and the uh, sister Sirius XM division. And uh, the, the main change is that the concert promotion company Live Nation, which uh, used to sit alongside F1 under the F1 umbrella, has uh, now moved across uh, to join the, the Liberty Sirius XM radio network. So uh, giving F1 more uh, cash, uh, and uh, which is part of the reasoning that F1 and Live Nation are, are there. Well, I mean, they're obviously compromised uh, to the fact that uh, there are no live events uh, going on uh, basically worldwide at the moment and uh, separating them on paper uh, really um, mitigates uh, the, the the risk and I'm not going to try and explain it anymore <laughs> because that's obviously not my uh, my expertise um, anyways uh, like I said we'll, we'll get uh, Christian Silt uh, back onto the show in uh, in the near future and he can um, he can explain this uh, better anyways uh, Liberty Media President and CEO Greg Maffei said that uh, this uh, restructuring or reattribution of uh, assets was the best way to put more cash back into the F1 uh, business. And uh, he had to say, quote, we looked at the range of opportunities to see F- how F1 could secure incremental liquidity, including potentially selling a stake to others, including raising capital in other formats. And we believe this was the most efficient. I'm certainly not going to discuss acquisitions that are p- particular uh, targets. He's uh, talking about uh, buying other business that might be struggling. Uh, and he went on to say, but there are live events, particular ones around motorsports that could be attractive. There are ones around other kind of sports that could be attractive and synergistic. I think a lot of other companies are not going to have the the flexibility either in the strength of their operating business, nor in the strength of their balance sheet that F1 now has, end quotes. So interesting to see that they're able to inject such a huge uh, amount of money into to F1. And it really sort of uh, takes, I, I deliberately uh, picked the stories in the order that uh, that, that I started off uh, relaying them to you, um, particularly just to maybe set sort of a little bit of the doom and gloom and some of the more negative things, uh, because um, the F1 teams actually, because of that, are, are re- receiving advance uh, payments uh, during this uh, crisis time. And uh, so they've, uh, <laughs> this has uh, been uh, what's... Um, termed as a protection of the sports ecosystem, 
which is a kind of an interesting uh, term uh, uh, to call it. Anyways, uh, Greg Maffei uh, had to say, quote, we have scenarios for zero races, anywhere from 15 to 18 races, races that begin with no fans present and only the teams. We really have a, have a host of opportunities and challenges on all fronts. Chase Carey and his team are presented with multiple options, including until you know the, the timing, how do you ask somebody to move on an existing race in place of another race when you don't know when it's open. So we are watching how the opening of certain events is happening Western Europe and certain countries and looking at options around that maybe the start of the calendar. No guarantees yet, but that is something that would be attempted, end quote. So yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, uh, you look uh, slowly around the world. I mean, uh, you see that uh, state of Georgia started getting back uh, on track uh, today, uh, which was uh, Friday, April 24th. Uh, there's talk here in Canada, especially where I live, about slowly, we're, we're having those discussions now. How do we start uh, getting back to normal? There have been those discussions around the country here and around different parts of the world. I mean, it, depending where everything is, I mean, and we're all in this at different times and experiencing it in different ways, that things will get back to whatever you want to call normal is at at, at some point. It's just going to happen at different times for different people in different places. And uh, and, and, and that's uh, not just uh, to do with the everyday life, but uh, sports as well. So it's, it's going to be difficult for them. I mean, especially when you have a world championship and you're, you're going from one, uh, one country to another, and especially in the situation that we've seen over the past uh, several weeks and couple of months, that it really is uh, different for everybody. And it's... Um, it's such a complex uh, situation, but sounds like they're they're looking at all sorts of uh, different uh, scenarios. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Time to go and fill up your coffee, your beverage. Go and stretch your legs because we'll be back in just one moment. Don't go away. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So Alpha Tauri has um, come out and uh, presented us with uh, some numbers. And uh, their boss, team principal Franz Tost, reckons that every uh, race that uh, his team misses because of the, the, the shutdown in Formula One is costing them around 2 million euros. So if you look at was it the first nine uh, races of the year have so far been uh, canceled or postponed. So, I mean, uh, you're looking at about 18 million euros. So that is a lot of money. And Tost had to say, quote, the contracts are designed in such a way that we lose revenue proportionally if the races are not run because the agreed amount is then reduced. If we don't drive a Grand Prix, the estimate is it will cost one and a half to two million. If we start racing in July, we'll get off with a black eye. If that's not the case, things will get very critical. If nothing comes in all year round, it will be a very critical matter. If you don't get any income at all, it's obviously a disaster economically. End quotes. Interesting. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've heard some numbers uh, put out the put out there the past a little while, but uh, it is interesting to hear that from uh, you know from from a team principal, an F one team principal, to, to put a dollar amount on it. And uh, and come out and say, well, you know, guys, every time we we have 
have another race canceled, uh, this is uh, what it's going to cost us. Now, uh, we, we can get away with that to a certain extent, but if it goes on for too long or the entire season is canceled, then uh, it's going to have some uh, very serious uh, consequences. And this is uh, uh, similar to uh, what was uh, termed as uh, absolutely critical uh, for Williams to have races run in uh, 2020. And uh, this was uh, comes from uh, Claire Williams, the, uh, the, the team principal. And uh, she told uh, an interview with uh, Sky Sports News, quote, we have to wait, obviously, until the time is rife to, uh, to it's safe to do so. It's an incredibly tough environment that F1 finds itself in right now. We have spent so much time locked into meetings, the team principals together with the FIA and F1 over the past four weeks to ensure that we do absolutely everything we need to do to to make sure all of us come out of this at the end of this year unscathed. Clearly, a big part of this is about when we are able to go racing again, particularly for a team like ours. We're one of the true independents left. We don't have the backing of that of the majority of the competitors have up and down the grid. For us going racing this year is absolutely critical this year, but as I said, it has to be when it's safe to do so. We just hope that we can get back to the racetrack this year, go racing, and really for us, we can take it from there, end quote. Well, you know, I, I can see for a team like uh, Williams, I mean, uh, they have not had a lot of prize money coming in uh, over the past uh, couple of years. I mean, they really fell off the map at the end of, what was it, 2017, uh, and uh, they just really have been struggling to get back. I mean, they had, I think Kubica scored a single point for them last year in, uh, in, in 2019, and still boggles my mind to see that uh, team so bad because, I mean, it really wasn't so long ago when they they were still a decent midfield team. I mean, I, I go back to even 2016 when uh, I was just uh, looking back at that season just a couple of days ago. I was looking at uh, some of the highlights of the Brazilian Grand Prix. I mean, that was the the one where it was that emotional send-off for Felipe Massa. Remember, that, that was that really uh, bad uh, weather, the really heavy rain. Anyways, uh, Massa ended up uh, walking down the pit lane with the Brazilian flag uh, draped around his uh, shoulder. And, uh, well, they've just gotten a lot a lot, a lot worse uh, since then. And uh, in, in, in the past, uh, this has been a very, very, very good Formula One team. All right. Well, now we kind of get into some of the the, the more positive news. And I, I like this uh, next story. And this is a Sebastian Vettel who's come out and said that uh, teams must look out for each other uh, during the crisis. And uh, I don't know, maybe uh, it's just me to a certain extent, uh, but sometimes I, I kind of get the, the the feeling that the the people at the top end of, uh, you know, elite sports, uh, whatever it might be, sometimes just uh, tend to look out for themselves. I mean, that's uh, probably a fairly narrow, uh, uh, you know, point of view for myself to, to have. Anyways, uh, Vettel had to say, uh, quote, with the new regulations, the idea is to bring the field closer together. So if this special situation in a way would help the sport to come closer together in order to have better racing and better sport, then that would be a good side effect, I would say. I think we'll only be able to judge once we have some really concrete decisions in our hands and then we'll see how they will work in practical life. But definitely, and for some of the smaller teams, the situation for them is putting them and their existence in question, and it's quite extreme. So, you know, as a family of Formula One, I think we ought to look out for each other. Uh, I think postponing the rules to 2022, the new set of regulations, and then still discussing some of it for 21, the what and how and so on, I think is the right uh, approach. Postponing uh, some of it is definitely right. Whether it's worse or better for Ferrari, the natural interest right now is what's right for the sport, and I think that's the right decision for the sport. I think that's also the intention for the most important uh, intention by Ferrari and the team right now, end quote. Yeah, I mean... uh, 
I, I think uh, when, when you hear Vettel talking about it, I think that uh, he, he's obviously looking from it uh, from uh, the, the the bigger, broader point of view. Certainly, uh, anything that uh, that any decision that's uh, made is it's, it's going to be impact the different teams in uh, in different ways. And uh, obviously, you got to look out for your own team first. But you know, when we are sitting. At Ferrari, and uh, Ferrari isn't a bit of a, a privileged, uh, privileged uh, situation in Formula One. Obviously, that um, what might be good for them might not be uh, good for everyone else, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the uh, the, the show there about the big discussion about uh, the, the the cost cap and and bringing that uh, that number down, and how some of the teams like uh, McLaren are trying to push that down from the one fifty to down to one thirty, or maybe even as low as a hundred million dollars. Anyways. Interesting to hear uh, Vettel's uh, point of uh, point of view on that, and I probably should have had that sheet uh, a little bit uh, closer to the top. So that's my bad. <laughs> Anyways, uh, McLaren. Going back to McLaren, um, they really believe that um, extending the season to 2021 won't cause any contract uh, issues, and um, this is uh, because that's one of the things that's been, been thrown out there is that uh, perhaps uh, if the season can get uh, running later in the year than than planned, that uh, one of the options. Uh, that they're looking at is to, to actually push it into early 2021 and uh, have a, a shorter off season, whatever it might be. And uh, they, they actually don't think that any uh, potential uh, extension of the season into next year will cause any uh, issues when it comes to contracts with uh, either of their drivers or their switch to, to Mercedes engines uh, for, for 2021. So, I mean, that's that, that's something I never even uh, really thought about uh, before, to be quite honest. I mean, we were uh, just uh, talking last week and uh, recently just about, uh, you know, some of the drivers and the top teams. And uh, we all know that uh, the guys like Leclerc and Verstappen and Hamilton and Vettel and, uh, and Bottas, uh, they all had uh, contracts at the end of uh, 2020. Obviously, Leclerc and, uh, and Verstappen have signed new deals. And, uh, you know, um, Vettel is uh, reportedly getting close to signing a new Ferrari deal. We'll get to that in a moment. But I never actually thought thought about that i thought hey well that'd be a cool idea i mean if we can get the season going at uh, at some point and uh, we we need to run into 2021 and uh, you know the teams are all for that then that would be absolutely awesome but uh, you know when you look at it the uh, the the fine print in some of these deals probably expires or expires at 11:59 on december 31st 2020 so that is uh, kind of uh, interesting anyways uh, team principal at uh, mclaren uh, andreas seidel said quote i think on contracts it doesn't matter which contracts it will not be a big issue i think it will be easy to find solutions there because everyone involved in f1 has the same interest we have our contracts in place and so for us there is no reason not to continue with that plan i don't think that there will be any issue regarding our agreement we have with renault i think it's important to state we have a great relationship there and an open and transparent relationship for this year so i don't see an issue there end quote so yeah well that's uh, definitely going to be uh, one to, uh, to to look at and uh, we're kind of going to uh, switch uh, topics here to uh we're going to get away now from maybe uh, the, the the financial doom and gloom to some of the well let's call a little bit at the light at the end of the tunnel um anyways uh, sebastian vettel who's been uh, quite a bit in the news over the past uh, several days and uh, seb says he doesn't believe that the uh, the f1 world championship wouldn't be de- devalued if it went down to even a 10 race uh, calendar Anyways, he was uh, speaking from his uh, home in a video conference uh, this week, and he said, quote, I don't know how it would feel because we never had that sort of circumstance. Before, we had less races in the past and more races today, but I don't think it makes a big difference. 
obviously a season is a season, whether it's 10, 15, 20, 25 races. So you still have to be the one that is the most consistent. With less races, every race is more important, but the championship would still be the championship. So it's still a long way. And you know, each single race weekend is a long way. And races mean that there will still be a lot of things to get right, end quote. Yeah, well, I mean, it is uh, kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, a season is a season. Doesn't matter if it's 20 races or 22, whatever we're going to have this year, if the season was full, or you go down to 10. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I grew up in the uh, the the 80s and I think uh, back then I think the the entire year was 15 or 16 races so uh, I absolutely love it now that uh, over the past uh, several years we've been uh, you know for quite some time at uh, 20 you know 21 races this year was going to be even uh, more I mean they've been talking even trying to get up to 25 at uh, some point in the future which uh, for uh, F1 uh, you know uh, fans like us would uh, be absolutely uh, wonderful but I mean if if that's what it comes to if it comes down to say an eight or ten uh, race season and yeah, I mean, obviously that's uh, going to hurt. It's, it's obviously what nobody wanted, uh, obviously, right? But uh, I mean, it's the same thing. Whether you have uh, 10 races or 20 or 25, it's uh, still the, 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 the person that does the best over the, the, the course of those 10, 20 races, whatever it is. And that's how you uh, win the, 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 the world championship. But, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see, obviously, how this uh, all turns out. Uh, we have no idea because uh, the, the situation is just uh, so fluid. But uh, certainly, I think uh, Vettel's uh, right on the, the, uh, the, the money there. Anyways, uh, just uh, talking uh, quickly again, about some of the cancellations. Uh, Holland uh, has uh, banned things now uh, up until uh, September 1st. So the Dutch Grand Prix, that was scratched a little while ago. Now the Dutch TT at Assen, that's off. So, you know, if the Dutch Grand Prix is going to come back, um, you know, they're they're hoping to bring uh, Formula 1 back to Holland uh, next month. Obviously that uh, got scratched. Uh, Anyways, uh, Jan Lammers, who's uh, involved with that, also a former uh, driver, said, quote, we've already gone through so many scenarios. It's all wasted energy. It only leaves leads to more questions and confusion. As much as we'd like to say something, we can't uh, say anything until it's concrete. We'll just wait and see how everything actually stands. Then we don't have to come up with vague answers, but we can just be clear and concrete with people, end quote. Yeah, so we'll wait and see. But I mean, that's very similar. I think uh, Belgium last week uh, had said that they are canceling all those uh, sort of big events up until uh, the 31st of uh, August. I think France has done the same. I mean, it's it's hard to keep up uh, sometimes with uh, all these things because so many things get canceled and all the time. And uh, yeah. Hard to keep up. Anyways, uh, Carla Sainz from uh, McLaren says that uh, cancellation of the 2021 season would be a hard blow, obviously. Uh, Sainz uh, told Spanish media this week, quote, I prefer to think there are going to be fewer races than to imagine everything will be canceled. Abandoning the season would be a hard blow that would be difficult to, to accept. If the situation doesn't get under control, it would be fully understandable, but it would have to, uh, very negative consequences for the sports and everything surrounding it. A lot of jobs would be at risk, and that's never for good, end quote. Yeah, well, very little to add there. Anyways, I'm uh, going to have to start speeding it up here, and uh, we're starting to run out of time. Anyways, uh, Otmar Safnauer, the uh, the team principal at um, uh, Racing Point, says he believes that the Australian Grand Prix at Melbourne could have gone ahead in March uh, due to the what he called the very low risk of COVID-19 spreading through the paddock. And if uh, you remember all the chaos, uh, what really kind of um, sparked the whole problem. I mean, everything was getting shut down in and around around that time uh, anyways, around that uh, sort of uh, 
I think it was uh, March 12th, and I think the Grand Prix was set to go on the 16th, and it really started when, uh, I can't remember who it was, uh, there was a player in the NBA had tested positive uh, for uh, COVID-19, and then everything, uh, sports leagues and everything started getting cancelled left, right, and centre, and then uh, unfortunately a team member at McLaren, who's fortunately recovered since then, um, tested positive for coronavirus, and then there was that whole situation with the 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 race is it on is it off uh, and uh, what's having uh, or what's going on there Anyways, um, there were only three teams that were actually willing to go ahead with the uh, the, the the race. Red Bull, Alpha Tauri, obviously there's a link together in Racing Point. Uh, they were still actually willing to take part in uh, practice uh, on the, the, the that morning. Anyways, Safnauer believes that the race uh, could have gone ahead uh, despite, or he believes it could have gone ahead safely, I should say, uh, despite uh, all the uncertainty and everything that, that was going on uh, at that time. Anyways, uh, Safnauer told CSN, CNN, quote, it was difficult to predict the, the future there in Melbourne, but when I look back at it now, had we raced, I think we would have raced safely. The risk was very low, and I think we could have put the race on. The Australian government gave us the go-ahead to do so. However, there's a big unknown at the time, and because of the unknown, I think we made the cautious deci- decision not to race, end quote. And I think ultimately that's what it uh, you know came down to. They just uh, decided to be very cautious, and uh, just because of all the the uncertainty and everything that uh, that was really going on, uh, that uh, that they just um, had to err on the side of caution. I don't. Uh, I know. I know it was difficult, but I have the feeling that it still probably was the best thing uh, to do. Anyways, Safnauer also want to say on. Um, Further quote, on Thursday night at 1.32 in the morning, we left the meeting and at that point, the majority voted to race. We went to bed, got up four hours later, and by the time we got to the paddock, everyone said, we're not racing. I said, yes, we are. It was only four hours ago we voted to race. We took a risk-adverse stance and that was probably the right thing to do. However, looking back, had we raced, I think we would have done so safely. End quotes. Anyways, okay, time for one final break here on the program. Don't go away and uh, buckle up. We got a lot to cover here in the last 15 minutes. So uh, we're going to get right back into it after this very short break. Don't go away. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, like I said uh, earlier, he's uh, very much in the news this week. Uh, He says that despite Formula One's painful absence, there's no reason to rush a return. And again, uh, it's uh, (laughs) it's very... These comments, they come out uh, all all the time and in different ways. Anyways, uh, this was in that uh, video conference from earlier this week. And Vettel said, quote, it was painful because I want to get back in the car. If I'm selfish, I want to race. But, you know, there's a lot of people that would like a lot of things right now with the situation that they're in now. I think probably in the very beginning, the first couple of races will be a bit compromised compared to what we're used to. But hopefully it's not too much because obviously we want to race in a way that we're all familiar with, meaning in front of crowds, in front of fans and great atmosphere and so on end quotes yeah well you know it uh it is true and uh you know it uh, like he says you don't uh, even though it's painful you don't want to rush back and that's the same i mean we all want to get back to uh to normal as soon as possible but uh we're gonna have to be uh, responsible and do so in a very measured and cautious sort of way now anyways imola remember imola they've uh not had a grand prix there for a very very long time 
Anyways, the director, sorry, the the president of uh, Imola says that uh, the track is willing to have a, a closed doors Formula One race there should the conditions in Italy improve over the coming months. And obviously, Italy has been um, ground zero, one of the hot points uh, for uh, the, the coronavirus around the world. And uh, well, if, if they could uh, pull it off and be in the situation where things improve there drastically, that would be great. But uh, I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, it really has been um, very, very bad there. Anyways, um, what they did say was uh, that they are, uh, Formula One is seeking dates uh, for races without uh, spectators uh, at some time in the year. And uh, Imola said that uh, they are willing to offer Imola for free later in the year if um, the Italian government actually uh, permits it. So closed door events would be a lot easier, apparently, to organize in uh, races attended by the public and uh, would also help address. Um, uh, address the financial side and the usual requirements uh, to sell uh, tickets to pay for the hosting fee. Anyways, uh, in an interview with uh, motorsport.com, uh, uh, they said uh, the situation is an opportunity for us to be a candidate for a Grand Prix this season. They need some races in order to maintain the contract with the FAA and the world, have a world championship. So why not think about Imola? Obviously, it depends on the government rules if they allow us to run such a race. Of course, we'll offer the track for free and then talk about costs on our side if possible. We can ask the region for some help. We're not in the situation where we can pay a promoter's fee. It's much easier without spectators. We won't have to take care of the grandstands. We don't have to take care of things like VIP hospitality and so on. For sure, it'll be cheaper than a complete organization. People are already thinking about running football games with closed doors, end quote. Yeah, interesting. Uh, like I've said the last couple of weeks, if we get to the situation where things improve enough that we can do things like that and it's safe to do so, got to look at alternatives. And uh, certainly, and like I say, I hate the term think outside the box, but certainly we're, everybody's going to have to think outside the box. And uh, interesting to, to see that, uh, you know, if a lot of the the, the, the costs are not there and, uh, you know, Imola offering to uh, host the race uh, for free and, uh, you know, it, there are lots of alternatives out there. Anyways, um, Spielberg, the A1 ring, uh, Red Bull ring, whatever they call it. Uh, now the Austri- Austrian Grand Prix is working on what they're calling an isolation uh, plan in order to boost their chances to, to host a race there. Um of course, it is uh, potentially the second race of the year because even though the French Grand Prix is still on the schedule, like I've seen uh, earlier, it is really unlikely that's going to be able to to, to go on that uh, day. So th- there have been some talks that uh, Austria might be able to to hold one or even two closed-door uh, races at the Red Bull Ring uh, to get the, the, the season started. And um, the the talks have been uh, led by Red Bull uh, Motorsport Advisor Helmut Marko. And uh, he said that uh, they're considering everything, uh, all sorts of special measures uh, to try and get it uh, going. Anyways, it includes no spectators, guests, or media, reducing team personnel to the bare minimum, maybe even as uh, low as 45 uh, people for each uh, team to ensure that the that the staff present are relatively uh, isolated from the, 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 the local population that live in and around uh, the, the, the track there. So other things too, like wearing face masks and uh, traveling uh, personnel would have to produce, uh, I guess, uh, some sort of uh, documentation that they are not uh, infected with uh, COVID-19. Anyways, uh, Marco had to say, quote, the Formula One community is afraid of being infected and 
wants to isolate itself as much as possible. And at the same time, that's good because the population is also afraid of being infected. Everyone is afraid and therefore everyone is extremely careful. Uh, and quote, anyways, uh, he believes that the TV only event can be run with minimal staff numbers and uh, that would be satisfactory to local officials. And uh, he also thought that they could also have uh, Formula 2, F3, Porsche Super Cup uh, support races as well. So we'll see. Anyways, it... Did he not say a couple of weeks ago that he wanted the uh, the Red Bull drivers to basically have a sleepover and get coronavirus? Anyways, seems a little bit uh, funny now that uh, he's talking about uh, that uh, the F1 community is afraid of being infected with uh, COVID-19 and want to isolate themselves as much as possible uh, while still trying to get back to um, to normal. Anyways, go figure. Uh, Silverstone is also um, what they're absolutely open to having a race without uh, fans and uh, that is uh, well I mean they've been there I mean they've been talking about uh, different things uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks and uh, you know they're talking about uh, uh, having uh, or running the races in reverse and things like that and uh, Silverstone uh, uh, boss Stuart Pringle says that uh, they are absolutely willing to host multiple races without a fans if it uh, helps uh, Formula One um, get their season going anyways uh, Pringle had uh, to say quote we have discussed all sorts of per- mutations including hosting two races over one weekend and two races over consecutive weekends i have complete confidence in our ability to put on these events we have a lot of experience a lot of knowledge we can turn that on definitely f1 is working very hard to try and work out what the solution for the world championship is we have been in close regular contact with them and have been asked how we could hold a race or two and could they be be behind closed doors the answer is absolutely we are open into looking into anything and everything i think f1 will make a calendar-wide decision in the earlier part of May. They can't set this ball rolling unless they have a solution that stands a fighting chance of running successfully over multiple races. The timescale would suit us if we didn't have to put in the infrastructure for accommodating the public, end quote. So again, we see that uh, once you take like the the vast amount of, uh, you know, the, the, the spectators and the fans out of the equation and all that, uh, you know, the hospitality, the VIP, the grandstands, all the facilities, food, drink, uh, whatever it is, that it uh, really makes the uh, the the, uh, the situation a, a lot easier. Now, uh, Charles Leclerc said uh, racing on reverse layouts of uh, Formula One tracks would uh, be very very cool if uh, they were able to do that at some uh, venues uh, this season. And uh, Charles had to say, uh, "Quote: I, I think, uh, sorry, uh, Charles, got my notes all mixed up here." He was when he was talking about uh, running multiple uh, races at uh, the same track, which uh, might uh, favor different cars or one car over another. Leclerc had said, quote, I think you can always argue the fairness, but at the end, we mostly need to look at the situation and try to make the most out of the situation. And if this will make us twice on the same track, that is okay. I think we should also look at this possibility to try and have most races possible. I think that I've seen something good about doing the races the other way around. That will be very, very cool. And that will be good. I think we'll all rediscover the track and will probably be very different car wise. So yeah, this could be an interesting uh, idea End quotes. Yeah, that would be interesting, right? <laughs> to see uh, to see the same race or see a, a, a Grand Prix at the same track, but run it in uh, in both directions. That would be uh, actually really unique and very very cool. So let's see if that happens. Anyways, uh, talking about um, the Formula One, just going back to, to last year now. Uh, Nick Heidfeld, former uh, Formula One uh, driver and uh, Formula E driver, uh, says that uh, he believes that uh, Sebastian Vettel had uh, the upper hand on Charles Leclerc in uh, races uh, last year. So I mean, twenty nineteen obviously 
obviously was a very difficult uh, year for uh, for for uh, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, only won one race in uh, Singapore. That came almost a year to the date after his previous uh, win, which was at uh, Spa in uh, 2018. And uh, that was uh, about the well. That was right in the middle of the year when uh, Ferrari were actually in their 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 best uh, form. I mean, they they uh, obviously got off to a very very slow start, and then they petered out uh, towards the end. And uh, I mean, we can get into that whole discussion about uh, the legality of the engine and all that, but that's uh, a different thing. Anyways, uh, Heidfeld, uh, who was a former teammate of uh, Vettel's when uh, they made uh, he or made his uh, debut way back at uh, the U.S. Grand Prix in 2007 uh, for BMW Sauber believes um, that uh, Vettel can bounce back if uh, he cuts out uh, all the mistakes uh, that uh, that he's uh, made over the past uh, little mi- uh, uh, last, well, little while, <laughs> quite a while. Anyways, uh, Heidfeld had to say, quote, I think the most important thing for him would be to do less mistakes in races. Uh, this has been the biggest downside of some of the last couple of years, something he didn't show that much in his world championship years. In the races, uh, Vettel, in my view, act- has the upper hand. If you look at their qualifying pace, Seb has had some issues at the beginning of last year, but I think he got on top of them and they were very evenly matched. It was not like Leclerc was beating him all the time. On pure pace, I would say that Leclerc would probably improve a little more than Vettel just by the simple fact he is still young and learning a lot, but I think they are fairly even. Uh, Leclerc is obviously a fantastic driver, and I never since Leclerc arrived said or thought that Vettel didn't do a good job. I think it's just one of those occasions when a young kid comes in who nobody has uh, high on their list yet and then beats the world champion. Therefore, many think that Vettel isn't a good driver, and uh, maybe in a few years' time everyone says, okay, look at Leclerc, he's maybe also a world champion or has beaten every teammate he has drove against, that you can put this into a different perspective, end quote. So sticking with Sebastian Vettel, and um, I'm actually going to get away from him. From uh, this is the last Vettel story for this week. Anyways, um, the, the it's looking increasingly likely that uh, Seb is going to um, sign a new Ferrari deal uh, before the start of the uh, Formula One season this year. And th- this has been out here for a while. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation. I mean, what with Hamilton uh, coming out of contract at the end of the year, Bottas, Vettel, and uh, all these different guys. I mean, once uh, once Verstappen and uh, Leclerc got locked down uh, over the winter. It just sort of seemed a matter of time uh, before everything else. And I mean, th- there has been that uh, talk over time that uh, that Ferrari and uh, and Vettel seemed like uh, they were going to get uh, something done. But uh, it's interesting that uh, that it, it sounds like it's a lot closer than uh, maybe some of us uh, thought. I still think that if it does uh, come to pass that uh, Vettel uh, probably will give, you know, give them a hometown discount or something and uh, take a pay cut to, uh, to stay there. But uh, Vettel says that um, Vettel or Sorry, I'm getting confused here again. Vettel has uh, said uh, recently that uh, that uh, he and the team are going to have to make a call uh, before what, what they're going to do before they've even uh, done a single race this year. And he had to say, quote, I think one of the key things right now for everyone, no matter when you're in sports or not, is to remain patient. It obviously depends on when we have the first race. And then there is a chance that we will have to make a decision before there will be a first race, because at the moment, it looks like there will be no race before June or even July. I think we're all waiting. The main priority, I think, after Australia was to understand what we are dealing with, which I think uh, to some extent is still not quite clear. Obviously, Italy has been hit as hard... has been hit as one of the first countries in Europe. So I think the national force was obviously, or the national focus obviously was lying there. I think we still have uh, some more time in the next uh, few weeks. By the looks of it, the first Grand Prix is not due for a while, unfortunately. But yeah, for sure, it will give us some time to cover some ground. 
end quote. So yeah, it sounds like uh, it it'll be uh, it, it's going to happen, and I still think that it'll probably be for less money and probably not for a, a longer uh, a, a amount of time. Probably be a, a lot. Uh, Shorter. We'll see. Anyways, uh, Lauren Stroll says uh, new backers, including uh, Total Wolf, uh, really underpin uh, the faith in Aston Martin. And uh, Total Wolf uh, has um, he's invested in the team, which I think is uh, kind of cool. It seems uh, <laughs> it seems a little bit uh, kind of uh, strange at the same time that uh, that this uh, guy that's been so instrumental and so synonymous with all the success that Mercedes has had over the past uh, several years uh, should invest in a rival like that. Anyways. Wolf is invested in uh, for 4.77% of Aston Martin shares, and uh, but it sounds like uh, it might be a lot less than that. But uh, it's kind of cool. Anyways, um, uh, Lawrence Stroll did have to say, quote, our ambition for the company is significant, clear and only matched by our determination to succeed. The rights issue and the investment that I and my co-investors in the consortium have made underpinned the financial security of and our confidence in the business. We can now focus on the engineering marketing programs that will enable Aston Martin to become one of the preeminent luxury brands, car brands in the world. End quote. So yeah, it'd be good to see them uh, come back and uh, just amazing. And all the uncertainty that they've gone and invested was a half a million dollars, sorry, half a billion dollars or pounds, whatever, dollars, pounds, a lot of money in this very, very uncertain time that uh, we're, we're living in uh, right now. Anyways, uh, just sticking with uh, Stroll's other team, uh, well, his same team, <laughs> soon to be, uh, well, it's just so, so confusing, right? It used to be uh, for, uh, Force India, now it's Racing Point, now it's going to be uh Aston Martin, but even though Aston Martin's not coming in, it already doesn't even really feel like a racing point. Anyways, uh, VJ Malia, who was the the ex um, team principal and owner of, um, of Force India. He's lost his uh, extradition uh, appeal uh, from the, uh, the the UK to uh, to India, so he's got uh, 14 days to apply for permission to appeal to the Supreme Court in the United Kingdom. And uh, if he does not pursue that uh, appeal, then he would have to go to the uh, UK Home Office, and uh, I don't know see what he can uh, do there. Anyways, uh, Malia has been uh, wanted in India for alleged financial misconduct and fraud charges related to Kingfisher Airlines, which uh, collapsed way back in uh, 2012 uh, with more than a billion dollars in uh, unpaid uh, loans. So this has been uh, going on for a, a long time. Uh, this uh, this uh, extradition case has been going on since uh, 2016 after Malia uh, moved to the UK and uh, he's been there ever since as his, uh, or his been residing in the UK ever since, uh, uh, and his uh, passport has uh, been uh, uh, revoked. He was uh, arrested by the British authorities in uh, 2017 at the re- request of the Indian government, but was granted bail, and then uh, all his worldwide assets have been frozen, and... Um, well, I mean, something like, uh, I think it's over a billion dollars in assets have been uh, seized, and uh, well... It's just a real mess. Anyways, so we'll see what's uh, what's happening. So, uh, way back in uh, in in the day, Malia bought the Spiker F1 team, which was formerly Jordan, and that's going back to 2007. Uh, renamed it as uh, Force India, and uh, well, he really had some big plans uh, to turn it into one of the the midfield uh, front runners. And uh, well, I mean, they always they they, they did. I I I will say say that they did more with uh, less, but uh, towards the end of his time as uh, as owner, and uh, you know, they start to go downhill. And uh, certainly, when uh, Lawrence Stroll and his uh, his group stepped in, 
uh, I guess it will be two years ago this uh, this summer, uh, and, and injected cash into it. That really gave that uh, team uh, new life. Anyways, just a, a couple more things here, and we're just going to wrap it up. Uh, Charles Leclerc says, uh, Twitch streams show the real him, and uh, that is uh, into uh, uh, regard uh, to these uh, virtual Grand Prix uh, that have, he's been uh, taking part in, and uh, along with uh, other F1 drivers like Lando Norris, George Russell, and Alex Albon. Um, so uh, he says... Uh, uh, streaming on Twitch, uh, this is something I definitely did not to expect to enjoy, and I never saw myself doing that. But actually, I really enjoyed it, and I think that this is the closest uh, for people to follow me that you can uh, get the, of the real me. At the F1 track, obviously, it's different. There's pressure and things like this, so you be uh, yourself uh, is a bit uh, different. Now, Twitch, obviously, playing with the other drivers and being friends as well. We all know each other quite well so, uh, for a long time uh, with Lando, George, Alex. So yeah, we can be ourselves, and uh, I enjoy it a lot more than I thought. And I don't know, it's a little bit scary too that uh, Charles Leclerc is just as good as uh, in, in sim racing and in esports as he is in a real Formula One car, but uh, it's been kind of cool. It's been a bit of a nice uh, distraction uh, to follow that. Uh, Lando Norris uh, says that uh, he believes uh, drivers uh, that have been involved deserve uh, credit for working together to uh, to, to set up these uh, esports events. Um, and and I think so. I mean, it uh, it lends its uh, credibility. It's good to see these guys uh, taking part, and it's it's been uh, fun to watch. And uh, Norris is Actually, he's going to be um, joining the the uh, Indy uh, IndyCar Esports around uh, this weekend at the, the the Circuit of the Americas, so he's uh, getting involved. So it's pretty cool to see. Anyways, it is uh, getting late here, and um, my voice is starting to go. I didn't uh, bring anything uh, to drink. Uh, I didn't fill it up, that is. And uh, now I'm regretting that I didn't uh, bring more water into the studio, so it's time to wrap it up. Anyways, thank you for downloading and listening to the show this week. If you want to get in touch, uh, please do so. You can email me at uh, scooteriaf1pod at gmail.com, or you can tweet me on the Twitters at scooteriaf1pod. And until next time, as always, stay healthy, stay safe, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you guys again very, very soon. Bye for now. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.